Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Like sometimes you'll be chatting with people and they go to like maybe church A in town and they talk to somebody else and they go to church B in town and somebody else is connected to church C and it's all the same crap and it's all the same hangups and you're just like, you know what, dude, like I'm going to get a building and a stage and a microphone and a camera and I'm just going to just like let good news just freaking rip. Hmm. Sometimes I get back to that place. Like, dude, I'm, I'm doing it, man. I'm starting a weekly, I'm starting a weekly platform where I get to just preach for an hour and go off. Yep. But then you think of all the other stuff that comes with that. And you're like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been hit with a, why didn't you guys just like move to the same city and start a church? And then out of that, you could do online services. And from there you would train leaders who would start new online based local brick and mortar campuses and man you could really get this thing out here and it would generate a lot of funds i'm like it would it just wouldn't be any fun would i be allowed to drink bourbon in my office that's that would be the first question i would have is there it would be anything in the bylaws against that um no <laughs> i'm just seems like a no-brainer man for like a like no, I don't, can I, don't I can I light up a cigar at staff meetings? That that would be the first question. Well, it would be weird not to since the staff <laughs> meetings at a cigar bar, so you'd be kind of be left out. We can get to my salary later on. I just need to know if I could drink on the job and smoke at staff meetings. Yeah, the question here is: Can I stay sane? And uh, as I've heard a doctor one time joke. He said, uh, you ever smoke a cigar? And I said, uh, I do every now and then. <laughs> how, uh, how many? Like, uh, one a week. Have you ever thought about doing one a day? I have. He's like, based off the heart health and stress levels, <laughs> I, I think I might recommend that for you. That's you might awesome. be healthier if you, if you could relax with a cigar once a day. <laughs> Do you smoke cigars? Yeah, nothing excessive. Well, how much do you smoke? One a day, sometimes two. <laughs> he goes, I would consider that very excessive. I'm like, well, I would consider excessive smoking two cigars at once. So, like, like it's all relative, <laughs> man. Uh oh, dude, the stuff we laugh at. <laughs> it's all it's all relative. It is. But for real, welcome back to the Lark Cast. We are going through John's Gospel for right now. Um, just re-looking at the scriptures with fresh eyes, with eyes that know the reconciliation of all things has already come in Christ. It is finished. You're free. God has invited us into a life of faith, not a life of performance. And so we're looking at the scriptures through those eyes in that lens. And that's what's happening here on this here podcast called The Larkcast. And it's brought to you by listeners like you. Who support this endeavor 
of getting this reckless news (laughs) of God's scandalous grace to a world that is just drowning in religion. And just so we're clear, we ourselves face the struggle of that on a daily basis. So we're not two guys that have arrived who are here to help everyone else as much as we're just two people who are learning to cling to this insanely liberating news yes. that most of what is stressed us out that we spend our lives pursuing is uh, contrary to the actual journey that God himself has brought us into. Yes. So, because if you knew the phone calls and conversations that Russ and I have had in the last 24 hours with neighbors and our own children, you'll know that we are very, very far from having this thing called life figured out and uh, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing like the old, Oh shit moment and feeling completely inadequate to force you to cling to the one who gives wisdom without reproach. James says he gives wisdom yeah. without reproach, meaning he never comes back and replies. Why should I give you wisdom? Um, he gives it because he's a good dad. And um, yeah, man, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else. Um, but I've seen, I've seen enough in how Jesus has described what God is like, um, to, uh, I haven't, I haven't been able to move on from him yet. I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still a Jesus dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though everybody words, else around me sees that he's walking away in the words of the, uh, of the disciples. Uh, yeah, Jesus, you have the very words of life. Where else would we go? Yeah. You alone have these words, which is actually a really, really good intro because this last story heading into chapter five, I think is, it's a really cool story about, I think just the fickle nature of humanity and about Mm -hmm. faith. And it's kind of tied into Jesus and his miracles and, why people are initially grabbing onto him. And, you know, Jesus is constantly inviting people into a life of faith, but sometimes they're hear rumors of his miracles or they mm-hmm. interact with them initially through miracles. And you just like the main character in this passage here, you just watch him kind of like wrestling with his faith. And so I think it's, I think it's going to be a good one today just to have a conversation about, about faith, about what God is inviting us into and all the different ways that we, the arrow of our faith just seems to like move to the left and move to the right and be weak. And sometimes it's strong and sometimes it's not there. And sometimes it's misplaced and, and all that. And I think um, in the middle of that, we just have a God who just loves to meet us where we're at. And so I think that, that, that this is the story that we have today. So without further ado, I'm going to dive into it here. John four, um, 46 to uh, 54. I'm going to read the last bit, um, of, um, the, the story of the, the woman in Samaria, uh, as a nice intro to this. So again, I think there's something beautiful here about, about faith and just being human. So Mm -hmm. verse 43 of chapter four, after the two days he departed for Galilee for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, 
for they too had gone to the feast. So really, really quick, Jesus has a very complicated relationship with his hometown. Yeah. Like when he comes back the second time, they're welcoming him. But Russ, you know, the very first bit of ministry Jesus did in his hometown was he grabbed a scroll of Isaiah, opened it up to a well-known passage about the Messiah, mm-hmm. reads it in the middle of the temple, and then says, this reading's been fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah. And they're like, holy cow, like, is this dude like the Messiah? And then he tells a story about God loving Gentiles in the Old Testament, and they get so pissed that they rush him to a cliff and they want to push him over the edge to his death. Yeah. But it says he just passes through their myths. And then, of course, he does, does the miracle at the wedding and turns water into wine. But then he departed for Jerusalem and he kind of brought the ruckus in the temple over there. And some people from his hometown were there to kind of see and witness that. And word is kind of spreading. So when he comes back into town, now they're kind of welcoming him yeah. with open arms. So they're kind of like flip flopping right yeah a little and they, bit and they tend to do that throughout his journey as we'll see because spoiler alert when you get to the end of john and jesus is on the cross there's only two people who are actually there uh at the end yeah um so as we'll later see they'll continue to flip-flop but you know you kind of hit it man when you when you in the intro as you just spoke to this is a really cool passage in regards to really seeing and understanding faith within the struggles of human nature. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what's revealed here is you see, you see the folly of human nature. Yeah. And, and their constant flipping, especially as you press into the reasons why. Yeah. Which you see in their pushbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so anyways, I don't want to go any further, but it tends to, it just tends to be reflective of all, of all the people around me. Not so much me. Like I don't struggle in these ways. Right. But, but again, something that I notice with all the rest of humanity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think like, you're just rock solid, dude. You're just like, you're steadfast. Yeah. You should get that court. on your, you should get that on your knuckles. Steadfast. You're going yeah, to need, you're gonna need an extra knuckle because fast is four but stead is five. So you might have to put two letters on, on one knuckle. Yeah. Or misspell it. You You can misspell it. Get rid of the a, just do S T E D. Just kind of go ahead and go. (laughs) Hey Russ, you could take a, you could take a page out of the Christian marketing playbook and just make up a damn word. (laughs) I always love that. We're like, we're about edu- we're about educating children and the ways of the Lord. It's like, well, you just put a Z on the end of kids. So I don't think you're really about their like they don't think you're about their holistic education. All of a sudden, all the church kids, they start, they get that that spelling word wrong at school. They're like, What are you, what are you talking about? There ain't no Z on the end of kids. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get anything accomplished today. This podcast. All right, come on. I'm getting us back on track. Let's okay. go. Here we go. Here we go. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water 
into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official, this dude's a big deal, whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, some have pointed out that even though the only people who knew about what really happened at the wedding at Cana were the servants, it seems as though they had not shut their mouths. They, they were running their mouths and telling people what had happened. So word is getting out. So this official, he hears Jesus is back in town and he rushes to him because he's heard that he can do works of miracles. He can do wonders. He can do signs. And his son is ill. He's at the point of death. So verse 48, Jesus said to him, and this is, this is such a key line here from Jesus. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Hmm. That seems to be an observation that Jesus yeah. is making about humanity. Yeah. Unless and you, you and you here is plural. Unless you, meaning you all, see mm -hmm. signs and wonders, you will not believe. Yeah. yeah. If Jesus was a Southerner, he would have said, y'all, unless y'all see the signs and wonders, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say his observation is correct. Um, and I think him being God in the flesh, his observations are definitely far more in tune to reality than ours are. But I think there's like, to me, there's a neat, there's a really cool point there. Like he makes something known that's true of humanity, which all then goes into the rest of the story. I don't want to take any, any of that away from you as you're going, but there's, there's a reason for it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's a, there's a, there's a reason for what? There's a reason why he makes that statement. Yeah. You know, you've got a dad that's in front of you whose son's in bad shape, man. Right. I would so be you, grasping for every resource I had yeah. to make my son better. Yeah. Everything. Everything. A lot of second, right? Thought. With all the urgency in the world. Yeah. And I remember hearing that when I was young, but never made sense to you're actually a dad. Right. Right. And then, you know, being a father like you, you're like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it just seems to be Jesus's, he's, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say he's, he's learning or he's become very, very aware of this. He's about to, there's going to be a big moment of this in John chapter six coming up. Mm. And so it seems like this first thing happening here is the start of like three big scenes where miracles kind of like come into play and it kind of culminates in and around this observation, unless you see signs and wonders I know this about you. You will not believe. So the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus <laughs> is almost having this like reflective moment about humanity. And the dad's like, listen, dude, just get down here because my kid's about to die. Yeah. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Now check this out. This is beautiful. And this is me like to a T. This is freaking me, dude. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. 51. 
as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him. So even though he believed, mm -hmm. even though he believed and upon hearing the servants, he's getting better. That wasn't enough. He had to check the hour. He had to check. Okay, so when exactly was this? Was this when I was talking to him roughly or did it happen before or a little bit yeah. afterwards? Or, right, you're still like trying to make sense and doing the math a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's like he believed, but then he was looking for more evidence. He mm -hmm. believed. And then he was testing, you know, Jesus some more. Um, verse 53, the father knew that was the hour when he had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And it's like, look at the difference between verse 53 and verse 50. As soon as he says, go and your son will live, he says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. But then he had that moment where he's checking the timeline. And after mm -hmm. that, when it was like almost reinforced again in 53, it says, and he himself believed and his whole household. It was almost yeah. like the second wave of like his belief. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like he did believe. And then he's like, believe it again. <laughs> and he's like, yep. just, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, dude, like this is, this is us, man. Yeah. This is so us. And it reminds me of the, the, the instance with the Samaritans because they initially believed because of the woman's testimony, but then they actually spent two days with Jesus and what drew them in, there was a trust and there was a faith that drew them in and brought them to the table but then they believed on the account of his word after that. And it just seems that like faith is not faith is something that has lots of room for growth, for failure, for absence, for presence. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we can grow in. It's something that we can even like suck at mm -hmm. something that we're trying to figure out. You know, it's like, I, I just feel like there's a, and there's just a ton of grace here in how this whole story about this father and how he trusts and doesn't trust and checks and double checks and believes again and believes initially, you know, I don't even know what really to say other than like, yeah, I, I see that in me. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I see it in you too. Been hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can, I can identify with you and with this father for sure. And the story mm -hmm. on a personal note, it's, that's definitely been my story. And I've, I've seen that in all the stories of every single person around me mm -hmm. who has by faith grabbed onto something that was true and real that they yet couldn't fully see or grasp or hold on to. Right. I mean, that's what faith is. And, uh, yeah, I think about like this dad, like he's, he's like, look, I'm, I see the observation, Jesus, I get it. You know, like 
we're a people who seem to only believe. You know what I mean? When there's like this miracle thing that we can actually see and grab onto. And I think that's actually a, an indictment that Jesus is making against humanity. Right. He's not saying, I don't love you. He's not saying, hey, I condemn you. Right. Just to be clear. Mm-hmm. He, um, but, but there is an indictment in that, mm-hmm. that uh, you've got a God who's saying, I created all of you. All of your origin stories start with me. And you know it. Even if you don't want to believe it, you can't escape it. And there's this dance that you're made for. And this dance becomes a reality that you begin to awaken to. It's always been there, but now you've awakened to it and you're walking in it. But there seems to be all these conditions that I don't have on you, yet you have on me. And until you can fully see and fully grasp and hold on to it and control it in some way, you won't believe it. And that seems to be his observation with doing right miracles. And, but I love his, you know, the dad's response. You already brought that up. And he's like, yeah, go home. Your son's healed. And, you know, you brought up like the dad going home and then finding out from his servants who meet him on the way, like, yeah, man, he's, he's already like, he's, he's better. He's better and getting better. This is crazy. There's no explanation for this. None other than something intervened. And what is his response? Like, well, when, when was that? (laughs) And if I'm being from my perspective, I think that that really speaks a lot to our nature for control. You wonder if there's him, is he questioning the healing? Is he questioning? Was it something that happened before that made him well? Right. And it wasn't really Jesus. Yeah, but here's but here's a third thought that I have. Is he is he wondering, hmm, well, let me backtrack in my mind what I did to bring this about. Almost at least that's how my mind works. Mm. And I've seen that work in a lot of people's minds. When something good happens that you feel like is in and of the Lord, you could almost like backtrack it, go write it down. And then turn that very thing into some sort of a plan to follow for future instances like this. Sure. Which would totally tie into Jesus's indictment at the beginning as to what we'll actually believe in is only something that we can hold and control Mm -hmm. or at least feel like we can hold and control. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's no way to say that that is for sure. Like what this, this father is doing as to why he's double downing on his question, but but I, I do hold that in one hand is yeah. Could play a factor. And this is why I think it's really dangerous to focus um, a lot of like preaching, teaching and ministry and conversation around the quality of our faith. Mm. And back when I was, you know, pastoring and I was kind of like in, you know, some reform circles, um, evangelical circles, it seemed to be the big conversation was um, the quality of your faith and yeah. really knowing if you have true saving faith. And if I was just honest with myself, um, man, I put a lot of burdens on people to kind of like double check that while like really ignoring the fickle nature of my own 
humanity and my own, you know, faith. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, if this isn't original for me, but, you know, faith is only as good as its object. Yeah. And it seems, it seems to me that he knows that we are but flesh. Mm -hmm. He knows that we're but dust. Not butt dust, but butt dust. <laughs> Damn it. It's like when you actually, it's like when you actually. I was trying quote, to keep a you quote, face. You actually quote the Bible and because we're, we're all perverted junior hires, we, we can't even quote the actual Psalms. This is my friend, Tony. He's been <laughs> He's in perpetual been- middle school for the last 27 years. <laughs> My mother-in-law yesterday goes, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I still listen to Larkcast sometimes, but it kind of feels like I'm a, I'm a grandma walking into like the boys' locker room listening to you guys. And she goes, I know who you guys are trying to reach, and I know who you guys are. I'm not like pointing to figure anything. She's like, sometimes, eh. you know. So that was for you. That was for you, mom. The butt dust, butt dust. Anyways. And that's what I love about Psalm 103 is my favorite Psalm. And it's like, it's just this very compassionate. He knows us, man. He knows where we came from. He knows that we're frail. And when he invites us into faith, I don't think he's inviting us into a type of belief and a type of faith that isn't without its complications. That isn't without its failures. That isn't going to experience fluctuation. And it's not going to go here and there and have ups and downs and all that, because the bigger, the bigger thing is not how well are you doing the faith thing? The bigger thing is how solid is the object? Yeah. How secure is the object? And when the object is the eternal son of God made flesh come down and in a single act, reconcile all of humanity in his cross to raise it all up at once through his resurrection that it's been accomplished by him apart from your opinion or mine. Mm-hmm. It would be true and it would still be as efficacious or however you want to say it, it would, it would have all of its effects, right? That mm-hmm. God intended in the work of his son. If I didn't even exist. Yeah. My opinion of it doesn't change it. It happened. God yeah. did this. And so faith is inviting us into trusting something that already is, it already happened, but we're so damn focused on the quality of our faith and how well we're doing the faith thing that we just throw all this unnecessary burdens, Mm -hmm. all this unnecessary weight on people. And it's a whole entire time. He's looking at us like he's looking at this dad who's just in this urgent state and goes, yes, I know you're frail. I know you're fickle and you will only believe unless I do a miracle, but this is how much I love you. I'm going to do the miracle anyways. I'm going to give you things to grab onto things like bread and cup every week, just so that you can know you participate at my table. I'm going to give you simple, tangible things like a baptism so that you know you're forever united to me because you went underwater and came up again. I'm going to give you these little physical things, these simple things, right, in your story so that you'll know I'm true, I'm real, I love you, I'm here. Because I know how hard it is to cling to 
someone and love someone you've not yet met in the flesh. And that's what Peter says in his gospel. You know him and love him, even though you've not met him, even though you've not seen him. And I think he knows, dude. And he has compassion on us. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, I think you're spot on in the conversation of faith and what it actually is and what it entails and where it leads and what it's, you know, invited us into and the simple acts that allow us to recognize that object of our faith. Because, you know, when you look at the scriptures, you find that faith is a gift. It's not a goal. (laughs) So the maker of faith tells us this is a gift that I'm giving to you. Yes. And it's a gift that should cause us to look upon the giver Mm -hmm. because it's the gift that aligns us with the giver. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes within Christendom, our faith can become this. uh, Everything is about what we're seeing and not seeing what we're doing and not doing. And it's constantly trying to achieve this thing that we feel like we're supposed to be mm-hmm. or this world that we're supposed to produce. Mm-hmm. And we're calling it faith and we're teaching it. And it's extremely popular. And what we don't realize is it's actually not faith. It's the opposite of what Jesus actually unfolds and hands us. Right. It's not a journey of looking at all the things that you think you should be and do and achieve and then finding ways to arm wrestle God into your agenda and then calling it faith, right? The journey is a journey of trusting the giver of this gift Mm -hmm. called faith. Our faith is in him. It's not in what we see. It's not in what we do. It's not in what we achieve or don't achieve. So there should never be a conversation about the quality of your faith. Jesus said it was as tiny as a mustard seed, right? You can move mountains. It's the smallest of seeds. And so I can remember a long time ago, somebody illustrating that and just talking about it through the, the idea of, you know, being, you know, being stranded somewhere like up in Antarctica. And, you know, when you, when you look out, would you rather be that person that has this great deal of faith, this huge amount of beautiful faith who's standing on this thin layer of ice upon the water and just standing there is like, yes, this is what it means to trust the Lord in this situation or would you rather be the guy that has barely any faith at all but he does believe and he's clinging to that little bit of faith he has as he sits on a chunk of ice eight feet thick right and man when i first heard that i was like well i want to be that dude with all that faith man on that one inch you know peace man that's that's what counts that's right, what matters that, that seems like so sexy because that appeals yeah. to our our sense of control it draw yes and it draws us up to yes there's something i can ascend to mm-hmm. i can develop into this kind of person that yeah. has great faith yeah and then i matter and then you'll think that i matter which will make me feel like i matter even more mm-hmm. and then because of all that that's happening I can rest assured that God knows that I matter. So he's going to work and move on my behalf, dude, to make sure that I don't have to face situations like this dad did in the story. And it's all nonsense. Yeah. None of it's true. The person with a little bit of faith sitting on eight feet of ice is what Jesus has invited us into, man, because the faith is in the giver. It's in the object. And So I think Jesus is right in his indictment of humanity there. I think he is gracious in what he chose to do for this father. Mm -hmm. 
why the father doubted and had to believe again. And then his house believed. And was he doing it to question? Was he doing it to figure out like, man, I need to turn this thing into a model. I could sell this with a course online, you know, for 99 a month. Yeah. You're going to get, it's just, I, I don't know. I just know that what Jesus reveals about himself in this and what he reveals about us mm -hmm. is true of me and every person I know. Yep. And instead of killing ourselves over it, I think we can instead rejoice. Yeah. That he sees us. He knows us about us. He loves us. Yeah. And he continues to teach us mm -hmm. to trust him. And it's like, I think, you know, John doesn't differentiate between his initial believing and the believing later on he does with his household. He doesn't have two different words for that. There's not like an adjective right. attached to it. You know, there's not a qualifier that's attached to it. He literally calls it belief and he calls yeah. it believing. And if John's writing so that we may know that Jesus is the son of God and that by, you know, knowing we might believe in, believe in him, that's his big goal. Here's the story about this guy whose faith is just all over the place. Yeah. And it's a story of comfort. But I, I think just really two things. One is in an age where people are deconstructing and walking away left and right, you know this as well as I do, because we've learned it together, that a lot of people are walking away because they were told what faith ought to look like and the le what, what, a, what, a what a levels of true saving faith are genuine, authentic disciple, you know, true disciple mm -hmm. level belief. And that could be in the reformed world with an emphasis on holiness and, and purity. It could be in the more charismatic tradition with an emphasis on maybe signs and wonders that God's involved in your life, right? Moments mm -hmm. that you have, experiences you have of him. But scores, dude, of people are walking away because they could never measure up. They could yeah. never measure up to how faith was given to them, how it was portrayed to them. And if you keep handing off to people and putting on people a message of the quality of your faith, you're going to end up with two kinds of people, three, actually people who are just faking it the whole way. Mm -hmm. People who are honest enough to say, I can't do this and it must not be real. And God must not care about me. Um, either I'm not cut out for this or he's just not real. And they're going to end up walking away. And the other person you're going to, you're going to create is someone who actually can do these things because maybe that's their personality or it's their wiring. And at the end of it, and they've done everything you've asked them to do and they're crushing it. And they're actually not going to be trusting in Jesus. They're going to be trusting their trust. Yeah. They're going to be having faith in their faith. Yeah. They're going to be believing their belief. Which is just so we're clear, not following <laughs> Jesus. It's so, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Faith is only as good as its object. Just to throw this here on the end before we, before we say adios, it is kind of crazy, man. When you think about the number of people that would pride themselves on being such devout Christians and not even realize that what they're practicing isn't even Christianity. Like your entire life is spent in good faith to an imaginary God. That's all built on your faith in your faith, your trust in your trust, your belief in your beliefs, your lists. Yeah. This isn't Christianity. And what's nuts is that this story is told on the heels of another story where Jesus went to a Samaritan village and the heathens 
that everybody in the religious world said, don't count, don't matter, not allowed to be here. They don't qualify. They should be left out. They're the dropouts. But guess what? Their faith, right? Their household believed based off the word of Jesus, not the miracle. So if you want to get technical, the heathens <laughs> in the previous story yeah. actually had more faith in Jesus than this guy whose son was just miraculously healed, who had yeah. to double down and check into, is this really a work of him? Right. Yeah. It's the same word. John uses the same word for the belief that happened same in the Samaritan word. village and yes. the belief that happened. You can't get, it's funny. Okay. I, I, I guess I just didn't realize this until right now. You, can, you have such a contrast between the people in the beginning of chapter four and at the end of chapter four, here you have yes. an official, an important dude from a, a, a Jewish small town. Mm -hmm. And then you have Samaritans just before it. The total opposite. The total opposite. Yeah. But they both are focused on the same person. Mm -hmm. And when John goes to describe how they attach themselves to that person, it's the same word, belief. They trusted in the person with no adjectives, no qualifiers, no talk about the degree to which, right. It yep. makes room for yep. all of it and everyone. Yeah. yeah. Imagine like priding yourself on. <laughs> Imagine like priding yourself on your gift that you received being, being like better than someone else's gift. Like I just, it doesn't compute. It's like the people who brag about being tall. You know what I mean? It's like, you you didn't have anything to do with this. Right. So I don't want to go down that road, but it's just one of those like things where you're like, oh man, when you can just pull back and see what faith actually is. Yeah. And you can, and who it, it start to see like, oh, so that's where it's aimed and that's what it means. And that's why just a little bit counts. And amen. Amen. You got to start there. Good stuff, man. So to Cheers. that, you bet, dude. Cheers, Cheers to you. Peace. Peace.